Welcome everyone, this is Pierre Mariotte, Associate Editor of Journal of Ecology. I am interviewing today Miril Veldesch, recipient of the Harper Prize 2014, for his paper entitled A Novel Mechanism for Grazing Lawn Formation, Large Herbivore-Induced Modification of the Plant Soil Water Balance. Welcome Miril, nice to meet you. Thank you, nice to meet you too. So first, congratulations for the Harper Prize. Thank you very much, Pierre. So I must say that I really enjoyed reading your paper, which presents very interesting results. The novelty in your study comes from this new hypothesis to explain the effects of herbivores on plant community composition. Can you tell us more about that? So basically, in most, in most grazed ecosystems, uh, large herbivores uh, prefer to forage on specific vegetation types, and often these are referred to as grazing lawns. And these lawns are, are characterized by high foliar nutrient concentrations, and that's, that's why they are so attractive to them. And so generally, these, these increased foliar nutrient concentrations are explained by increased soil nutrient availability. Uh, and that's a result of positive feedback from the herbivores themselves, so through urine and dung deposition. Um, so the last couple of years, actually, these, these classical pathways have been shown to not able to explain the formation of grazing lawns in all ecosystems. And therefore, we extended this by adding two additional feedbacks. And um, we focused on changes in water availability instead of nutrients. And what we hypothesized is that large herbivores decreased the water availability through uh, compacting the soil, um, decreasing the pore space, and therefore decreasing soil water holding capacity. And and besides that, they, they open up the vegetation through their grazing activities, and that actually could increase the evaporation rate. So what they actually do is they, they have two feedback mechanisms to create dry conditions. And subsequently, those, the vegetation that's growing on them, the, the, the grazing lawn species, they show specific traits that are related to drought. Uh, and one of them is increased foliar sodium concentrations. And, and especially those sodium concentrations are, again, very attractive to large herbivores again. So... Yeah, that's kind of kind of what we studied, and I think I think these these are these are applicable to to almost all ecosystems as long as these herbivores are they create a certain stressful environment, and those plant adaptation to that stress are again attractive to the herbivores themselves. So you recently finished your PhD, but you actually tested this hypothesis during your master project. Is that right? Yeah, indeed, that's true. So I worked I worked on this project during my master, especially the the field work part, and I wrote a, a master's thesis about it. Um, but in the end, I ended up writing the manuscript for this paper during my PhD. And basically, I used this whole project as a starting point for my PhD. And together with my supervisors, it's uh, Professor Han Olf from the University of Groningen and Professor Matti Berg from the Vrije Universiteit in Amsterdam. I um, studied the role of ecological autocatalysis um, in, in the organization of ecosystems. And these feedbacks of large herbivores on vegetation, uh, creating grazing lawns, both via the nutrient pathway as well as via the water pathway is basically an example of ecological autocatalysis, what we call it. It's basically a positive feedback loop between consumers and their vegetation. Uh, without those grazers, actually the grazing lawns often disappear and in the other, in return, like the grazing, the grazers really depend on their grazing lawns. So during my PhD, I investigated whether we could identify multiple of these loops uh, at the ecosystem scale and how they interact and shape ecosystems. So about grazed ecosystems, you said earlier that lawns formations are fairly common in grazed grasslands. 
but your experiment took place in savannas in South Africa. I imagine that this is a nice destination to do field work, but why did you decide to test your water-based pathways hypothesis in this specific type of grassland, and why not in temperate European grassland, for example? Well, if there's any continent in, in this world that's that's famous about their large herbivores, then it's Africa, I think. And, and, and South Africa is not just great by itself, it's a beautiful country, but it's also ideal to study those savanna ecosystems. And the main the main benefit over other countries in Africa is that it it's, it's the logistical side. So it's easy to get research equipment, it's easy to get shopping, permits, the good roads, there are a lot of skilled local collaborators. And, and specifically, I did my studies in, in, in Slui and Velozi Park. And, and that's, uh, I think, world famous for its history with white rhinos. Um, uh, the last couple surviving white rhinos actually were present in that park. And white rhinos, I think you can imagine, are very good soil compactors. So for my study, actually it was ideal. And this park is very, very heterogeneous and has a, a steep rainfall gradient. So you can actually drive 60 kilometers and the rainfall changes from five to nine, 500 to 900 millimeters per year. Um, and if you want to study processes over rainfall gradients, as I did, then that, like, logistically, that's, that's, that's ideal. So, yeah, I can imagine that there is a diverse range of large herbivores shaping plant communities in these savannas. Another question I had about uh, water-based pathways to explain this effect of herbivores. So you said in your paper that herbivores create these dry conditions, principally related to decreased vegetation cover and soil compaction. How did you test that in the field and how did you support your water-based pathways hypothesis? Basically, this was like a, a whole new thing for us. So what we first wanted to do is show in the field that there are differences between the two vegetation types. So what we did is we found uh, areas that have short patches of grazing lawns next to tall grass patches. And what we then started to do is do like a correlative study. So investigating differences between those grazing lawns and adjacent bunch grass areas, all in relation to water availability. So we measured infiltration rates and evaporation rates, uh, soil temperature, uh, foliar sodium concentrations of the species. Um, and this way we were able to show the difference between the two vegetation type. And I think the next step actually is to start doing experiments. So do a soil compaction experiment and see how the vegetation responds to that. Mm -hmm. So your paper give a quite novel explanation for the effects of herbivores on plant community composition. What do you think are the consequences of your work for plant ecology in general? And what do you think people should take from it for future research? I think there are a couple of things that people should or could take from, from this paper. Um, and first, um, I think it's important. It's an important example of how organisms affect each other in a non-trophic way, um, which can be sometimes unexpected, like true changes in the soil, actually. And... I believe that understanding how these how ecosystem function uh, and and how these are organized definitely needs incorporation of these feedback. So that's that's one of the first things. Second, I believe that that there's many organisms and that can be large herbivores, but also earthworms, termites, plants that have much larger control over their environment than is often assumed. And of course, we all know the example of them building beavers as ecosystem engineers, but you basically find these organisms everywhere. And that has strong implications for, for the stability, diversity, resilience of ecosystems. And in our study, we showed that large herbivores create dry conditions um, and relatively high rainfall situations where you generally 
would not expect to find grazing lawns. And that enables, enables those, those grazing lawn species actually to persist there. And I think these biotic feedbacks are extremely important and uh, um, explaining how ecosystems function and also to, to explain the high heterogeneity that we often find in, in, in real ecosystems. Um, and then I think there's a third one, and that's, I think, the most promising direction for future work. Um, and that is positive interactions be between trophic levels. Um, so uh, for a long time, people have been focusing on competition between species. And then I think the last couple of decades, people have started to be interested in facilitation as positive interactions between species, but mostly on a, on a, on a, on a single trophic level. And, and, and work on, on positive interactions between trophic levels is rather limited. And I think our study is the positive relationship between these grazing lawns and large herbivores uh, results because of the large herbivores create environmental conditions to which these grazing lawn species are best adapted. And although there are direct negative effects of grazing itself, it actually overrides. So there's an indirect positive effect that is, that is more important than the direct negative effect. And I think those indirect positive effects needs more investigation. And I, what I hope actually is that people start think about such positive feedback loops that are present in their own ecosystem, especially those including non-trophic feedbacks. Whereas I personally start to believe that those positive interactions are more important than the negative ones in explaining the structure and the functioning of, of of ecosystems and I hope this gets gets more and more work done on it. Mm -hmm. In your paper you also mentioned that these water balance based processes are occurring principally during the dry season versus nutrient based processes during the wet season and a lot of scientists are interested in climate change effects on plant community composition and especially the effect of drought. So in your opinion Do you think with drier conditions related to climate change, we would expect to see more and more importance of these water balance processes to explain the effect of herbivores on plant community composition? Yeah, exactly. That would be the prediction. So under ro low rainfall conditions or um, very, very fine textured soils, you would expect that the, the, the compaction or the drought pathway becomes more important. Well, Under high rainfall conditions and more sandy soils, you would expect a nutrient-based pathway to become more important. So, yeah, if climate change results in drier conditions, you would you would expect to get a, a shift from the nutrient-based pathways towards the, the water-based pathways. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, great. So you recently finished your PhD. What are you currently working on right now? Or what are your plans for the future? So I handed in my PhD in, in, in uh, last October. So and I now work as a postdoc in um, in the EU funded African Bioservices project. It's one of the Horizon 2020 projects, um, and that's working in in the greater Greater Serengeti Mara ecosystem. So I switched from South Africa to East Africa, which is which is really nice to see the differences. Um, the main aim of the project is to understand how the ongoing climate change human population growth and land use change affect the ecosystem and its services and then subsequently link it back to human well-being. And the overall goal is to actually use that information to drive novel solutions to create like a, a future sustainable development of the area. Um, and within this project, I'm a postdoc. Uh, for two years, I investigate how humans affect the, the organization of the ecosystems um, in, that, in that area and how that affects the resilience of the ecosystem. So it actually it links back to the whole climate change question that you just asked me. So yeah, for two years I will work on that. And after that I would like, I would like to go abroad somewhere and work at a foreign university, um, get some overseas scientific experience. Um, so yeah, the next two years I will use to find some interesting scientists that would like to have me uh, 
work in their lab for a few years, uh, work out my ideas and write some grant applications to make all of this possible. So I think I will I will stay in, in, in Savannah for research, but you never know how, how things turn out, eh? Good. So I wish you the best for your research and your future career. And I thank you again. Thank you very much, Pierre. Thank you all for listening. This was Pierre Mariotte, associate editor of Journal of Ecology, and Miril Veldush, recipient of the Harper Prize 2014.